0: Countdown continues. We are now 83 days away from kickoff between the Falcons and the Eagles. Yeah. Mini camp getting ready to start as the uh, teams are like got a little summer vacay right now, but we don't slow down. We keep on moving. What's up? It is the Air It Out podcast brought to you by Inside the Hashes. Find us at insidethehashes.com. Avery Collins, Christopher Thomas, Kevin Crockett here with you. I'm surprised you two still sitting down together after last week. Things got a little chippy
1: between you <laughs> two. In the end, we're both professionals, right? That's right. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's my boy. It's all good. He'll come around one day. He'll come around one day. That's us.
0: Just a bunch of professionals. That's the way i describe us. Definitely, definitely. Well... Uh, you know, we, we, we're always taking a look at the NFL landscape, especially right now, uh, even in the offseason. A ton of stuff to talk about, even though so training camp hasn't kicked off quite yet. Uh, one of the things that we kind of looked at last week was uh, the wide receiver position. Uh, one of the things that Chris had seen on NFL Network was actually, and I think this is a great topic, uh, as we uh, get a look at some second-year quarterbacks that are maybe ready to take a step with a team that's ready to take a step. NFL Network highlighted uh, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson and Mitchell Trubisky, three teams that maybe are those next teams to take a leap in their division, and their conference, and who knows, maybe even further than that. So, Chris, I'm going to actually go ahead and start with you. Uh, Which of those three
2: quarterbacks do you think takes a major leap this year? Mahomes, Watson, Trubisky. As much as, like, I've been praising the Houston Texans for the past few weeks on this podcast, and I feel like Houston has the best chance of going from worst to first. With, um, this, with um, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Lamar Miller, that offense is going to be a top five offense when he's on the field and healthy. But the best of ab- abilities, availability. So I'm not going to say Deshaun Watson. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes is going to make that jump and be the best second year quarterback going into the year or two. When you think about it like this out of all the three quarterbacks, who has the best quarterback guru on one and by the side? Andy Reid. Because think about it like this. Think about it. Donovan McNabb. Michael Vick had the best season of his career. He, more importantly, he's the one who scouted and evaluated Nick Foles. He got the best out of Alex Smith when he got from Kansas City from San Francisco. Not to mention Mahomes has the weapons. He has Tariq Hill. He has Kareem Hunt. He has Travis Kelsey. And more importantly, he also brought in Sammy Watkins as well. I think it's going to be a process, but Mahomes does have a big arm, accuracy issues. It's nothing that Andy Reid hasn't worked with in the past with Lake McNabb and several other quarterbacks. But I think a lot of people are going to be surprised. The jump that Pat
0: Mahomes is going to make this year, Avery, I couldn't help but notice you had an oh my god moment. A little bit of what Chris was saying
1: there. Go ahead, homie, hit him with it. The oh my god was just uh, based on him saying that the, the Texans were going to be a top five offense. That's that's a bold prediction. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not going to be true, but it's it's a bold prediction. So uh, I just I think that the you know I think if the running game is solid, then I can see where you're coming from. But I'm I'm just not too certain. There's too many potent offenses out there that I'm, I'm just not sure if they'll be top five. I do think they'll be good, I don't know, top five. But for me, I want to go Sean Watson as well. I really do because I think he has the most, I guess, he, he has the most upside in the sense of he's the biggest threat out of the three. Um, he can run, he can throw the ball, He's he's got that competitive edge, he's got that it factor that you want. But I actually want to go with the guy that, Toward the end of the season, I just saw flashes of actually greatness. You heard it here first. I think he's going to be a great quarterback, and I think that's going to be Mitchell Trubisky. Towards the end of the season, I just saw signs of what a lot of the NFL scouts were talking about when he was coming out of North Carolina. I I, I was like, I understood that he was accurate. I understood that he could understand the game. He could break down a playbook, but I I just – you know, seeing him for one season in North Carolina kind of was like, eh, I'm not sure. But seeing him play in the NFL and, like I said, toward the end of the season made me realize, okay, this guy really does have something special possibly. And he's definitely the most accurate of the three. He is in a, in a system where he has the least amount of pressure, right? Deshaun is coming back from an injury, and before he was injured, they were really poised to make a playoff run. People were actually putting him in, in Super Bowl contention and different things like that. Uh, Pat Mahomes is now the predecessor to Alex Smith, who, again, that team did phenomenal last year and did excellent as far as numbers and putting up points and different things like that. He also pushed Alex Smith in a sense because people said Alex couldn't throw down, down the field, and they drafted Mahomes, who we all know has a cannon. So out of nowhere, it's like Alex Smith can throw the ball down the field. So those two have more pressure on them than, let's say, Mitchell, because one, he played basically the entire season. Two, he played well. Three, he's in a division where he's kind of already expected to fail. I mean, really got, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford. He's considered the worst quarterback in that division. So the pressure really isn't on him. So it's going to be more of a situation for him to, to thrive in. And the biggest thing is the running game. And like I said, you know, as far as with the with the Texans, that was my concern with them. Like, I know the Chiefs with Kareem Hunt. I believe uh, Sharkanic West is coming back and different things like that. They're going to have a pretty decent running game. The Bears have the best running game of those three teams that we're talking about as far as the, the Chiefs and the Texans. So with Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard, I think, that takes a lot of pressure off of Mitchell Trubisky. I think he takes another step forward. Um, I think they open the offense a little bit more, and I think he he's gonna you know do pretty well this season. I just want to make sure you guys actually watched the NFL last year, right? You guys you guys watched those games. So
0: Patrick Mahomes came in, played one game at the end of the year. Mitchell Trubisky looked like a rookie quarterback. I'm not gonna deny that. Deshaun Watson at points in time looked like he was the front runner for the MVP. Now, granted, uh, uh, availability, I understand that, but you're talking about who I think can take the next step forward. There's a very good chance that all three of those guys can get knocked out before week 16. That's an expectation you need to have, that something might happen to your quarterback. That's why you go out and you get a backup quarterback that you hope can hold things down for you. But this kid came in last year. His first start was on a Thursday night, under the lights. People watch it. it. wasn't the sexiest game, but he got a win against the Bengals. Then he goes out. He lights up the seahawks in seattle he did an abundance of different things that made you i mean who really thought about the texans as an offensive team for any extended period of time and then this kid comes in and lights it up how who is going to take the next step forward i mean we're talking about a kid that for a few weeks there was an mvp kid a rookie who was an mvp candidate i, I think it's far and away that sean watson's pride to lose here especially compared to a guy who played one game and you know, Trubisky's got better pieces around. Gosh, if those bears dropped one more pass last season, my goodness. I mean, I felt for the kid. I get it. So uh, even his numbers may have been a bit skewed compared to what the team could have been. but And I understand there's offensive weapons in Kansas City, but they sacrifice a lot of defensive players to make that offense look really tight. So I, I don't know. I, to me, when you talk about the three, there's already one guy who's proven he can do it under the lights, big time high octane can make it happen and I just don't see Deshaun Watson taking a step back. Chris, what do you gotta say? All right.
2: Well that's the thing. You said Patrick Mahomes started one game. So like in that expectation field, like which one has will exceed expectations? Mahomes only has one game to go against. Uh, we already seen Deshaun Watson for half the season, does what he does, look like an MVP candidate. He is pretty much shown that if he's on the field for 16 games, Houston is not only just a playoff threat, they're a potential Super Bowl threat. And Mitchell Trubisky has already started a good amount of those games, and he's probably already got the rookie near as often. I'm just saying, history will be on my side because Andy Reid is a quarterback guru. He has weapons Tariq Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Kareem Hunt. And not to mention, they're in a favorable division in which they're going to be able to rack up wins and win football games. I'm saying in the expectation bar, Patrick Mahomes has the lowest out of all the three, so the expectations is going to be a little bit more higher for him year two as a starting quarterback for those sixteen games, as to what you already seen for Mitchell Trubisky and Deshaun Watson.
1: Hey, Brady, go ahead, man. Uh, I I kind of agree with with Chris there because I, I was going to say uh, the other reason I didn't pick Deshaun is literally what you alluded to as far as him having an MVP type season last year prior to him getting hurt. It's like, can he duplicate that again? You know, especially as a second-year quarterback, when teams start to figure you out, teams start to figure out your weaknesses and your strengths, teams aren't necessarily afraid of you anymore. And then, like I said, coming off of injury, is he going to be, you know, kind of shy about it? Uh, is he going to favor, his, his, you know, his leg a little too much? Is it going to hamper him in any way? And then with Patrick Mahomes, like I said, I think, The pressure. I don't know the guy, you know, personally, so I don't know how he does under pressure. But the pressure to succeed Alex Smith in a playoff-caliber football team, playoff-caliber quarterback, somebody who's just a consistent... Alex Smith doesn't turn the ball over. He manages the game very well. He does everything that you want from a quarterback standpoint other than win Super Bowls. Like, if we're going to be honest, he does everything you want other than win Super Bowls, I don't I don't know if that pressure to perform is going to get to to Pat Mahomes. And like I said, that's the reason I kind of go with Mitchell because it's it's just a, a lesser amount of pressure on him than the other two guys. So, you know, we discussed uh, Deshaun's injury history. Obviously, this is an injury that he's overcome
0: before. So coming back from an injury, he's proven that he can be successful. Granted, you could take the college game for what it's worth, but this is a kid who every time. I keep talking about big moments. Pressure bust pipes and for a kid to go out and win a national championship game against an Alabama team that nobody thought he could beat to come in to the NFL start early as a rookie and take a team that people thought were pretty much non-existent. I mean, especially the J.J. Watt injury happened. That, that, That Texans team was ravaged by injuries last year. He made them relevant at least for a brief period of time. To me, this kid is legit again i know there's plenty of quarterbacks who were great in college and all of a sudden weren't it at the next level but as far as the eye test goes he's overcome injury before it when the lights come on the kid plays up i think deshaun watson for a long time again health can happen to anybody but for a long time i think deshaun watson is a guy that uh, will be repeatedly in an MVP conversation moving forward you know we've leaned into the texans quite a bit here as we're getting our conversation we got to take a look back at maybe on the season that was and the philadelphia eagles last night just got their rings as super bowl champions i'm sure as philadelphia eagles fans people were very excited as they can finally get that notch off of the record being one of those teams that doesn't have a super bowl never won a title but there are a lot of teams out there a lot of established teams some newer teams but teams out there that still have yet win a Super Bowl so we're looking at the Bengals the Bills the Browns the Cardinals the Chargers the Falcons the Jaguars the Lions the Panthers the Texans the Titans and the Vikings quite the list there. still looking for that elusive first Lombardi trophy so it got me to thinking and I want to pitch this to you guys think of that list you take a look now and not necessarily next year possibly next year I'm sure there's a couple teams on there that pique your interest but Oh, that list that I just gave you, looking at Super Bowls. Which of those teams do you think is the closest to getting to a Super Bowl? And which of these teams do you think just is still just incredibly far away? Avery, I'm going to go ahead and start with you.
1: Actually, that's a good question. It's funny because there's really four teams in there that (laughs) I think are legit Super Bowl contenders that can get their first ring this year. One, obviously being my Atlanta Falcons. I think the fact that we got Calvin Ridley in the draft this year, is starting to kind of hit me more and more as the season gets closer, how potent our offense can potentially be um, as long as everybody stays healthy. So that's number one. Number two, I feel like the fact that our defense is going into its third year under Dan Quinn, I think that's a huge step forward for us, because we, I mean, we made strides in our second year, I think we only get better in our third year, I mean, I'm seeing pictures of Keanu Neal, and this dude looks like he's put on like five to seven pounds of muscle, so he's ready to rock, so I think, I think they're going to do, do pretty well on defense as well, like I said, one of the faster defenses in the NFL, I think another one of those teams, don't, don't hate me guys, and don't laugh too much, but I think the Chargers, man, I know they play in the AFC, but The addition of Derwin James is huge to me on the defensive side of the ball because I think he's just somebody who kind of changed the game. I think he's one of those Eric Berry type players that can come in and really set the tempo of the game. I think that Phillip Rivers is a good enough quarterback to get it done. I think they have enough weapons to get it done. I think that the division that they play in is wide open for them to take advantage of if, they can close out some of those games they had too many games where they lost by like less than seven points last year I think if they can close out some of those games they can take a leap and like I said Philip Rivers he's a proven veteran quarterback who isn't afraid of big moments I don't I don't think he's afraid of big moments like I know a lot of people say oh he chokes in big moments I don't agree with that I think that he is somebody who just kind of it's like a series of unfortunate events with him but I think, I think they can take a leap. I think the other team is the Panthers. I think defensively, we all know what they can do. I think on the defensive side of the ball, they are very, very, very strong. Um, they had one of the best front sevens in the league. Those corners were young, but they played very, very well last year. So I think, and the fact that Cam Newton is going to actually be healthy this year, like he's going to start the season healthy, I think that bodes well for them. Um, and then the last team is and I might get some flag for this as well, is the Vikings. I think the Vikings, well, first, they they had one of the best secondaries in the league last year. That's number one. Number two, they had one of the best front sevens in the league last year. Like, the defense was just lights out. I think the addition of a quarterback from, from Washington that we all know might take them over the hump. I think that they have enough weapons on offense. I think Dalvin Cook coming back. And I think getting some stability at the quarterback position, because it, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I feel like even throughout the season, throughout the playoffs, they still weren't really sold on Case Keenum. Like, it was kind of like, if he messes up, we're going to pull him and we're putting Teddy in or we're putting, you know, uh, uh, Sam in or something like that. But maybe, maybe it's just me. So I, I don't know. But I, I feel like stability at the quarterback position kind of can help them because it's less of a, a what if. So... I know that's a lot of teams out of those teams, but <laughs> I'm just yeah, Avery. Thanks for leaving us stunned to pick that. So, okay, <laughs> it's
0: just God, take all the meat off. The know,
1: I, I it's it's funny because it's like the the running theme there is these teams have very good defenses, and I'm I'm a firm believer in defense wins championships. So, all right, Chris. Now that Avery took
2: half the teams off the board, go ahead and give me one team that you think <laughs> can go ahead and win themselves a Super Bowl sometime soon. Okay, first of all, side note, Avery, pay Julio. Then you could talk about potentially a Super Bowl.
1: You know and he's getting – he, stop it. Now you know he's going to be on the field for the Falcons. Don't get your hopes up. And, he's not going to Philly. Okay. And the fact that you brought up an interesting thing that all these teams have good defenses,
2: but how can you talk about all those teams, four good teams, and you're not talking about the team that has the best defensive football, the Jacksonville Jaguars? Jalen Ramsey, AJ Bouye, All-Pro corners, Calais Campbell, Miles Jack, Telvin Smith, and Leonard Fournette, who came big, who was big time money in January, and they've lost a lot of receivers. They lost both Allen and Allen Robinson to the Chicago Bears, Allen Hurns to Dallas, but they still have a pretty good plethora of young wide receivers: D.D. Westbrook, Keelan Cole. They brought in Austin Safarian Jenkins, and they still have Leonard Fournette, who is an absolute stud, and. Blake Bortles is did enough to win them not only two playoff games, but they were three-quarters ahead of the New England Patriots and more one-quarter away from a giant meltdown from going to the Super Bowl and taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. So you talk about defense, Jacksonville is just right there. It wouldn't surprise me
1: that the Jacksonville Jaguars earned the Super Bowl next year. Avery, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. I agree, and I don't want to overlook the Jacksonville Jaguars. I agree they have one of the best defenses in the The NFL, I wouldn't say the best. The Vikings literally, to me, have the best defense in the league right now. And then it would be number two would be Jacksonville. But the reason I didn't put Jacksonville in there is solely on the points that you pointed out with Blake Bortles and the fact that they took away his proven veteran receivers. And now he's left with young guys to deal with. And he himself is not a proven quarterback. That, to me, is huge. Now, I know that defense wins championships, but offense wins games. They have to win games to get to the championship. And I don't know if Blake Bortles has enough to do it within himself, number one. And two, I don't know if he has enough weapons to get it done. I am a huge fan of Leonard Fournette. I I really wish there was some way possible he could be on the Falcons. Obviously, that can't happen. But um, I'm a huge fan of, of the guy. I think he is a stud without question. But I think it takes more than him. And I understand, you know, it'll help with Blake. It'll take pressure off, play action, yada, yada, yada. I just don't know if he has enough, you know, because if he gets into a system where, uh, or a situation where it's a shootout, now granted, I don't foresee that happening because their defense is so good, but if that happens and they have a bad day or something like that, and it's a shootout, I don't know if Blake can hold his weight with somebody like a Drew Brees or Matthew Stafford or a Tom Brady, who's just or Aaron Rodgers, who putting up points. I, I just don't know. Chris, You mentioned
2: shootout. They kind of won forty five to forty two against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the divisional round of the playoffs. They put a that offense, despite Blake Bortles' deficiencies, they still managed to put up forty five points. And not to mention. Let's let's be real. Alan Hearns really didn't do that much. Granted, it, maybe it has a lot to do with the way Blake Bortles throws the football. And Alan Robinson was on a torn ACL last year after catching one ball last year. So he really was with a rookie D.D. Westbrook from Oklahoma, Keelan Cole, and a bunch of other run-of-the-mill young wide receivers, plus Mercedes Lewis. So... It's not going to be like all of a sudden, like, dang, Blake doesn't have any weapons. He really didn't even have real weapons last year. All he really had was a winner for a net, and he really didn't start getting healthy until the end of the year. In the meantime, these guys are still winning games with amazing defenses, and TJ Yelding just running the football for him. Jacksonville is, to me, the most balanced team in the entire AFC, probably not named New England, and I f- – And they're still, to me, the second best team until proven otherwise in the AFC. I'm going to go ahead and bring our conversation thus far full
0: circle here and say that I'm going to stick in the AFC South with you guys, and I'm going to stick to a team that we talked about already in the Houston Texans. They're going to be playing a schedule that's a third-place schedule, which means that the Titans and the Jaguars are going to have to slug it out with some of the AFC elite. Uh, They're playing the NFC East, as the whole division is, but that means you're playing the Super Bowl champs. But... You know, in a Texans-Cowboys matchup, in a Texans-Redskins matchup, Giants, they're going to have to beat that AFC East, NFC East uh, to, to make an advance. And then it's going to come down to who can win the divisional games. And if we're talking quarterbacks, we're talking Mariota, we're talking Bortles, we're talking Andrew Luck who's throwing college science footballs right now, so who even knows what you're going to get out of him. And you're talking about Deshaun Watson, and the most important position on the field, and you guys could argue with me, but Sean is probably the best quarterback out of that group the way that it stands right now. So uh, I've got to think the Texans that, again, we play that healthy card. Obviously, I don't know that I've ever seen a team. The Texans and the Packers last year should have just gotten like... A freebie like it should have just been like hey just stay home and don't get yourselves injured this year because those two teams just were decimated by injury which happens it's the nfl that's going to happen but uh, i think texans might be that team that can take the leap and and really sometime soon as your young quarterback continues to develop and maybe you finally start to get healthy a little bit on both sides of the ball could be that team to uh take that leap to the super bowl uh, on the other side of the coin you know we started this conversation out talking about some of the teams that we don't think are going to get there anytime soon and i'm going to give you the teams that we haven't mentioned at all in this conversation because we obviously feel pretty strongly about some of the other teams i've got the bengals the bills the browns the cardinals the lions the panthers are the remaining teams uh, on that list that haven't won a super bowl yet i'm actually going to kick it off and say that cincinnati until something changes with marvin lewis like they, they are just the If you look up mediocrity in the dictionary, they're constantly sitting in seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven. They've got a quarterback who's middle of the pack at best. They've got a couple of running backs that they can't figure out. They don't know who Mixon is. They've got a bunch of positional players that are that are good. They're just like there's nobody supreme. Even. A.J. Green at times. If you're playing the Cincinnati Bengals, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to lock down A.J. Green, and then it's like, okay, well, where do we go from here? Uh, They've battled injuries with Tyler Eifert, who two seasons ago was an absolute monster, especially in the red zone, but couldn't stay healthy. They just constantly seem to be spinning their wheels in mud, and they're obviously not a big free agency destination. Nobody's chomping at the bit to get over to Cincinnati anytime soon, which means you have to draft well. But you've had a coach who's who's drafted well who's drafted good players but none that have been able to take you over the top and until you do that until you pretty much just wipe that slate clean in cincinnati i feel like they're just going to keep spinning their wheels in exactly what they are so compared to the other teams who maybe have a young quarterback or maybe have some pieces in place i just think cincinnati's that team that just is still very far away from a Super Bowl anytime soon. So I started with Avery last time, Chris. I'm going to start with you. Which of those teams
2: is the furthest away from getting to the Super Bowl? You no. Know, um, first of all, I just want to know that out of all the head coaches in the NFL, I probably hate Marvin Lewis the most. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, hate, 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 hate. I, I just 0 8. He's still 0 8 in the playoffs, and the fact that he is still has a job is um, still befuddles me. But in order to attack the whole link, the low-hanging fruit that is obviously the Cleveland Browns, I'm probably going to go with the Detroit Lions. I'm a big – I like Matthew Stafford. I like what he brings to the table. But if you want to also talk about mediocrity, the Detroit Lions are also there as well. For the past two seasons, they had every single chance to win the NFC North, and they just completely just crumbled down the stretch. Um, The Packers – they let the Packers run the table for them, and the Packers overtook – The NFC North and Detroit found themselves getting blown out in Seattle in the wild card round. Last year, Aaron Rodgers got his column bone broken by Anthony Barr from the Minnesota Vikings. That was their opportunity to win the NFC North. The Vikings overtook that. And they still ended up with only being one game better with an Aaron rodgers Green Bay Packers team that was still just trying to find life without him and it was pretty terrible. But um, any organization that probably lets probably one of the two all-time great talents like Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, just like, you know what, I'm absolutely done with football, it really just shows the signs of me that they'll never win a Super Bowl because they're just a pit of mediocrity.
1: Saber, go ahead, hit him. Well, I disagree with the, the Detroit analysis. I understand what you're saying. Like, I, I understand uh, as far as the, the mediocrity statement, but I just... I don't know if I agree that they'll never win, and I'll, I don't agree that the furthest away, only because I think really the only thing they're missing is running game. I mean, for the last, what, five years, they just haven't had a running game. I, I, I mean, have they had a 100-yard a, a rusher? I, I think there was a, a three-year stretch where they didn't have a 100-yard rusher. So I think that's the only thing that's really missing is a running game. If they get a running game, you take that pressure off of Matthew Stafford who, by the way, can play under any type of pressure, all types of pressure. He still puts up points with the best of them. So, like, his numbers are, are there every year. So, I don't I don't know that they're, they're the furthest away. I think I have to agree with Crockett. I think I got to agree that the Bengals are the furthest away, even over the Cleveland Browns. I, I think the Bengals are the furthest away. It's like, especially because of the division that they play in. I think that is really the telltale sign right there. Like that's that that's the end all the be all right there is the fact that they have to deal with a Pittsburgh Steelers team and a Ravens team every year. Granted, neither of those teams are what they used to be, but they're still always very good. They're never they're not great right now, but they're always very good. I mean, the Ravens defense for the last two seasons has been top five in the league numbers wise. As far as the Steelers, their offense is as potent as any in the NFL. So they, they got to deal with those teams every single year. And then, like you said, you know, it's it's kind of like, is Andy Dalton the guy or not? It's kind of like he's up, and when he's hot, he's great. And then when he's down, he's terrible. And then A.J. Green, why is he so inconsistent? It just it kind of blows me away as to how they find a way to squander good talent it annoys me. And I understand the Marvin Lewis thing, not a huge fan either. I think he's, I think he's just in a bad situation, man. Like the Bengals is just not a, it's not a good situation all around. I think it's funny because I tell people all the time, if the Bengals were in the NFC, they probably have a better chance. I still don't think they would just run the table or be, you know, I think they just have a better chance if they were in a in the NFC. But yeah, I, I got to go with the Bengals, man. They, they, I, I just can't see it anytime soon. Chris, I see you shaking your head up there, man. Preach to him. It doesn't
2: matter what conference Marvin Lewis, and he's just a bad coach. And it all these years, 15 years, look at all the talent he's had. Carson Palmer, Rudy Johnson, Cedric Benson, Chad Johnson, T.J. Husmanzada, Chris Henry, Andy Dalton, when Hugh Jackson was there. I mean, a lot of people wondering, like, what happened to – Andy Dalton when Hugh Jackson left those numbers automatically started to go down all across the board for Andy Dalton but for 15 years you still can't find a way to win at least one playoff game I don't care how tough the AFC is for the past 15 years you had so much talent across the board in the offense and the defense you had a good enough coaching staff and you still can't get out your own way to beat the Steelers or the Ravens or even the Jets when Mark Sanchez was there not once it's just bad coaching to me. It doesn't matter if what conference he was in. He was still gonna probably run into those same problems.
1: Like I said, you know, I don't I hear- think I don't think he's I don't think he's great. I just don't think he's the sole issue. I think that, you know, they're stupid plays. is perfect. his penalty uh, in the playoff game. If we're gonna be honest like that that could have changed the trajectory of the entire playoffs. Like if we're gonna be real. So I think it's just stupid things like that. And or a, a stupid play by Pac-Man Jones or you know, it's just stupid stuff that happens to them that I just don't I can't put the sole blame on Marvin Lewis. I do think that he is a factor. I think he's a big factor. I don't think he is the sole factor. I think that it's just the organization as a whole. It might be the base guy curse. Like, Lil B, we need to talk, because did you put the base guy curse on the Bengals? Because they're, they're terrible. All I'm saying is,
2: is that it, I've literally heard the same problems with Chip Kelly. It's like, it's not really Chip Kelly's fault. It's the, but here's my thing. In the end, that, Marvin Lewis brought those guys in, and then the fact that they still have these attitude disciplinary off-the-field issues, and still none of it has gotten addressed, it still has to fall on the coaching, in my opinion. I mean, granted, they're grown men, they can do whatever they want, but Coaching is really rearing its ugly head in Cincinnati, and it has been for the past 15 years there. Yeah, I know, Chris, you said you think that
0: maybe the Browns are still that team that's going to be on the outside looking in, but if the NBA is not the NFL anything, it's that mediocrity will just have you going nowhere. So at least the Browns, and I'm sure you don't want to convince Browns fans to go in and 16 is the way to go, but they gathered assets, they pulled the 76ers, they trusted the process, they gathered assets, and now finally... It looks like maybe they are starting to trend in the correct direction to try to get these things going because they got such high draft picks. When you're going seven and nine and you're going eight and eight and you're going nine and seven and you're picking, you know, 10, 12, 14, 16, trying to get one of those elite, elite top-notch players in those spots can happen. Yes, it can happen. But when you got to hit the button, you got to hit it right versus, you know, when you can get a Miles Garrett, or you can get, you know, I don't know how Baker Mayfield is going to be, but who's Denzel Ward going to be? I mean, you're picking top-notch, collegiate, top five, top four, top one players, and maybe at least you're setting yourself up for a chance to have a future with that. Uh, So we'll see what happens. I'm going to call it right now. 2025 Super Bowl is going to be Browns and Cardinals. By the hell not. Rosen and Mayfield going after it. It is the Inside the Hashes Air It Out podcast. We do it every single week. We are just 80 some odd days away from the NFL kicking off. And uh, I know we're excited because we're talking about it already. For Christopher Thomas, for Avery Collins, I'm Kevin Crockett. Check us out insidethehashes.com at Inside the Hashes on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Air It Out podcast. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter come find us we'll talk football anytime you guys take it easy